Hello, my name is Tom Hollingsworth, and welcome to this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. That's right, we've got the right idea about IT. We are joined here with a group of some of the best and brightest minds in the IT industry to talk about some of the hottest topics that are affecting network and other professionals today. Um, I'd like to take a quick moment to introduce the uh, guests today, and then we'll launch into our topic. Scott, you want to go ahead? My name is Scott McDermott. I blog at MostlyNetworks.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at ScottM3268. Uh, John Herbert. I blog at MovingPackets.net, and on the Twitters is at Mr. Tugs. Keith? And I'm Keith Norby. I work for NetApp. Uh, I'm at Keith Norby on Twitter. My blogs have been shortened to one, 140 characters <laughs> uh, plus, uh, depending upon how, how you stick images in there. So um, I'll get back to full blogging soon. My name is Michael Bagg, and I'm also at NetApp. I am a solutions architect for the Next Generation Data Center team. And you will just have to find me in the analog world. Turn your head slightly to the left and say hello. <laughs> there you go. All right, gentlemen, well, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and, and being able to be here. Um, I want to talk today about something that is, is it considered a, a hot emerging topic in, in IT, specifically in networking, and it has the potential to really affect the way that we do our jobs, and that's network functions virtualization. Um, we've all spent years living in a world of boxing. We have routers and firewalls and load balancers and switches and network application appliance modules that analyze traffic and all kinds of things. But they're quickly disappearing from the data center because they're all becoming software. And there are quite a few people out here, probably listeners to this podcast, that are asking themselves right now, what is NFV? So I want to take you know a little bit of time here to explain what it is, why it's important, why it's going to impact your future. And uh, you know maybe we'll, uh, we'll have some interesting conversations. So Keith, why don't you go ahead and kick us off here? Um, what is NFV? Uh, excellent question. And, and for a lot of folks, it's a very confusing topic because it might be confused with software-defined networking. That's true. It does get brought up a lot with SDN. And, and the best way, and, and, and Michael Bagg has really helped me in this uh, coming from the field expertise, at, at, uh, formerly at TELUS and, and having some real-life uh, on-hands uh, expertise with this. The, the best way to really think this through is from uh, bottoms up and tops down. Bottoms up meaning, you know, every... Uh, every data center capability and, and network function virtualization is really just a, a category definition about what we're trying to produce out of a data center for something within, in this case, in telco primarily and then expanding to the enterprise. So if you think of compute, network, and storage as like the three big resource pools that you know, basically bring these things to life. Uh, you know, from there, you've got all the uh, raw hardware assets you know, of storage, uh, compute, and networking still has to have ports. It still needs to have routing. It still needs to have all the things that wire things together. You can't obfuscate from that. Um, next up from there, all, all of a sudden becomes this, this transition point for us to talk about. And that's sometimes where SDN has come into the play, where you start taking appliances, like firewall appliances, load balancing appliances, anything in the rack that was networking you know, that you can take from an appliance and virtualize it into either a VM or a container service now becomes something that's software and either a service or a VM that can be managed. Then they start to become functions on the network. Um, and so NFE's first kind of split from the category of functions is virtual network functions or VNFs. And so these things become uh, a firewall that used to be an appliance now becomes the VM or a container that is deployed as a virtual network function. So it's got a, a deployment model in a network. And so if you have 
networks that get spun up and spun down kind of at the speed of how we click our devices. You know, this primarily is, what driving, is what's driving the need for network, uh, networks to become functions rather than appliances. And so as that kind of gets to scale, you start thinking of the scale of like AT&T and some others, you've got lots and lots of these regional pods that they have to fuel basic you know, resources from hardware and then have the ability to fire up and, 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 and tear down uh, functions that used to have to be appliances. And as you can imagine, you just can't rack appliances or turn things on or turn things off at the appliance hardware level. There's just not enough agility in that. And so that's where um, base networking starts to become less about specific or specialized appliances and more about software VMs, network functions. Uh, it's not just the SDN part of you know, making hardware appliances become software. It's beyond that because they become functions. They become functional parts of to deploy this specific thing. And, it, and in this case, uh, the big driver for everything is 5G. Uh, it's the next evolution beyond what we're driving on our cell phones. That'll be magnitudes of order faster. And if you think about the magnitude of the population of the world adopting this as fast as the carriers will make it available, and Sprint wanting to do it for half the cost of Verizon, there's massive amounts of both bandwidth, agility, and cost-cutting all converging at the same time, and that is NFE. That sounds like a really interesting story, but I actually want to, I want to pick up on a point here, and I want John to give me his thoughts as soon as I make the statement, because John, I think, and I are, I are on the same wavelength here. So you're talking about taking applications that are essentially running on hardware in the network, and you're going to virtualize them into a package, and you're going to ship them off of the network appliances. Now, I know you guys work for, for NetApp, and the, the storage teams and the virtualization teams, they've, they've had their hatchet-burying moment, and we're all happy people together. But the network team, we're still the holdouts. We're the kids playing over in the corner with our own little specialized hardware. And we don't like giving up our hardware. And essentially what you're telling me is you want to take my functions and give them to the compute team because they're now running on VMs. John, are you willing to give up control of your firewall and load balancer <laughs> systems to the, the compute teams because we manage the VMs around here? I feel like Cartman right now. With, oh, screw you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, actually, I'd love to. But, uh, I think, well, it, it's going to be a problem. No one wants to give control. And, and we, we've had the same problem even between security and networks, right? If you have, you have a, 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 a device, even a hardware device, that both routes and acts as a firewall, who owns that, security or networking? Who should own that? Should there be a division of, uh, a division of administrative control of those devices? The nice thing about VNF is you can still have those virtualized devices individually managed, right? You just got to figure out how to service chain that stuff so that everything flows through the right device. I, I did want to follow up on something that Keith said, which is, um, so from the perspective of 5G, from the service providers, or telco's perspective, this is something great for them because they then get agility to spin up services for their own networks. It's also an awesome thing to sell. Right, so each of those virtualized network functions is now a product. It's a checkbox on a configuration page that's an additional fee to the customer every month. Your customer wants a firewall. Ching, hey, I just built it on your, on your virtual, virtualized CE box. Right, I'm not shipping a router to site anymore. I'm shipping an x86 box. You want IPS? Boom, got it. And that speaks particularly to the idea of increased bandwidth where you can't have centralized devices now. You can't have them sitting in a colo where everything comes in, you know, 50 gig, 100 gig plus, it's great to be able to distribute everything around. And that's really where this stuff comes in. Um, and 
from a cost perspective, you know, the service providers love that because if you can if you can make it work, that's a huge caveat. If you can make it work properly. Yep, so this is where the challenges you talk about, uh, where a mobile service uh, environment, mobile service office, or a POP, those environments are not traditional places where you will find a three-tier architecture that supports a VM or supports containers. You know, these are typically DC power, NEBS compliant, hardware box locations that all of a sudden you're now telling teams, guess what? You now have to manage this three-tier architecture to support that, however you want to do it, whether it's going to be with a converged infrastructure, whether it's going to be with the uh, you know, the typical legacy kinds of environment that you're going to build to support that. And that's where NetApp is coming in. You have to have storage as a component of that, which is going to be critical to how you deliver those services um, as we begin to decouple these hardware platforms into software. And by the way, you're going to need a lot because we're talking about 30 years of circuitry building these functions to process packets that are now being scraped off of that and put into a VM in the software world. Yeah, and I, I think there was a view for a while that that was not going to be feasible. Um, I, I can think of somebody at one of the large networking vendors who was who was very insistent on on the idea that okay, if you're doing deep packet inspection, yep. sure, an x eighty eight x eighty six is perfect for this, right? But if you're just pushing packets through, you'll never beat an ASIC. And I think the latest chips, and more importantly, the drivers and and SDKs that are coming with those, are kind of putting the lie to that because the focus has changed so much from the general CPU manufacturers, they are blasting network packets through now to the point where you really can run all these functions on a box at wire speed, which was not possible two, three years ago. Not to mention you're breaking it from having a centralized location where you're aggregating your hardware is now being distributed to where the, where the workload is actually being produced, right? So you're moving into this kind of cloud edge the environment where instead of having, because you can only afford to buy a couple of these hardware devices at the cost that they were, you would put them here. Now you can break that down and put it wherever the load is being produced, especially when we begin to get into automotive telematics and those kinds of things. So an interesting use case there that I just realized is the idea that we, by centralizing hardware in a specific location, we create boundaries to scale. And one of the places that's never been more apparent is in wireless, where we had to buy huge, gigantic controllers and put them in the central area because we had to have all the APs home back to that. But we're starting to see a lot of companies develop software-based wireless controllers, which are essentially NFE boxes, and being able to distribute them wherever we, we please. I mean, Scott, do you see using NFV for wireless as a huge driver to, to keep wireless scaling because, as Keith brings up with 5G, wireless is the future, and we know this because nobody at this table has a device on the table plugged into anything <laughs> other than power. No RJ45s here, right? Exactly. Yeah, no RJ45s. The, uh, it's a huge enabler for scale because, like you said, you know, the controllers were starting to get really big, multiple 10-gig ports just to try and get all of the traffic at larger sites through it, and you start to get some really big and really expensive pieces of hardware, whereas if you can push it out to the edge, then you can start to offload and then you can start potentially to be doing small, tiny you know, software controllers because you already have a bunch of servers at the site anyway, you run all of your local services, so then you can have the smaller controllers at the sites, and then it's easier to scale, but then I feel like it, there's some management problems that come into this as we start, we have to have tools that allow us to manage all of these virtual devices that we have now, because we used to have, we had the firewall, and everything went through the firewall, and now we have 64 firewalls, 
And that's a different management thing. It's a great scaling thing for performance, but I'm not sure how we are going to, I'm not sure if the tools are there yet for managing it outside of things that have been homebrewed. That's part, you know, what's interesting is I got a chance to sit in, in a presentation from the CIO of uh, Minnesota Vikings that just brought on the, the big new U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and it's funny because they're going to be hosting the Super Bowl this year. And so he's talking about some of the network designs to support, you know, the functions of, you know, almost 100,000 people, you know, on devices, on their Wi-Fi, and on their AT&T and Verizon and other networks. And it's, it's pretty interesting to think through, like, you know, the stats he was talking about for Super Bowl traffic. Normal Vikings game, uh, they're seeing somewhere in the range of 6 gig a second uh, throughput, and, and Super Bowls are like 11. So the continual ramp, when you think probably in a year or two, it'll be like, you know, double that because you'll start, you know, Facebook living Super Bowl moments or, you know, who knows what the hell. It's, it's pretty much whatever the networks will let you do that people will just do. Yeah, and I think that actually brings up a really interesting point, Scott, is a lot of the, a lot of the discussions that I've been having with companies that are specifically focused on NFV recently have not been about how do we take an appliance and make it a VM. It's how do we manage that? How do we make it multi-tenant so that if I'm running 75 firewall instances on a box, mm-hmm. that I know that these 20 are talking to this group that, that bought them, and those 23 over here are talking to that group with one consistent user interface amongst them. So maybe John, as the administrator of XYZ Company, logs in and he just sees his 20 firewalls. But me, as the organizational administrator of the entire box, I can go in and manage and move and, and change. Do we have to change the way that we manage devices? And could that be one of the reasons why NFV is really causing paradigm shifting is because now we don't have to go box to box to box to manage things? If you have human intervention in there somewhere, you're hooped. Yeah. We're talking about moving away from manual configuration, uh, manually configuration to uh, automation, to templating, to scripting, to machine to machine. We're going to start having network function virtualization tenants that are going to expect to be able to self-configure, self-grow, self-scale. And, and this is kind of where the confusion comes with SDN, right? Is that the actual NFE part of it is not really software-defined networking, whatever that really means. However, the control of it, whether it's a cloud-based controller or it's just a centralized system that's going to manage stuff, or whether it ends up being something that's driven by requests from provisioning systems as people request particular things, um, that really is software-driven. It's not human-driven, which is the whole point. If you want to be agile, you've got to cut us out of the loop one way or another. That's right. right? And where I find it that particularly interesting and probably the most active use case right now, please forgive me now for saying SD-WAN, but <laughs> I know. But taking that to the next level, and this is something Riverbed were talking about a year ago, and I know other people are now, was their idea was, okay, look, we'll put this box in the edge there. By the way, we just acquired this company who does LAN and wireless with a cloud-based controller too. I've redesigned the OS so I can now containerize within, a, within this platform. And so their idea is, okay, now I can push out via a centralized control system. I can now control your wireless. I can now control your LAN switching. I can control your WAN. By the way, I can accelerate that too. Oh, you need a firewall? We can deploy a container. And so now that NFE function, which was really telco service provider focused, starts moving in its own little way into the enterprise. And you start now changing how you manage global enterprises. It's already beginning to, it's moving up in both directions. From, right, from they're the going to in the middle. Hyperscale yeah. and the telcos down <laughs> to smaller, you know, the smaller medium businesses that have the agility to begin to ingest this right now because they don't have the legacy to pull along with them. Yeah. They can sure. begin moving into this, this next gen 
NFV world now because they don't have to carry that behind them. I find that these uh, folk who have to somehow mix their brownfield and greenfield environments to do this are in are mired in some difficulties. Because how do you begin to merge those environments with these modern management and orchestration tools that operate at the WAN and at the more localized uh, areas? Like these uh, integrations between uh, the WAN Mano, uh, between the management and orchestrations for a specific pod uh, is very difficult to do. It'll get yeah, even, that, it's, go ahead. I was going to say, that's, that's the interesting part of the first time you said the word Mano, which is a completely foreign term to a lot of folks. Um, it's, it's a manager of managers. It's, it's, at, it's at scale that each pod has a manager of the VNFs, and globally you have to have managers of managers and maybe even managers of managers of managers. And, and having everything API connected, because at, scale, at the global scale of telcos, you can't manually provision. Yep. That has to be completely automatically done in a, in a framed you know, NFV network, which is what blows your mind, because a lot of infrastructure today, and this is sort of like the new checklist, the new criteria, is you have to almost have 100% API exposed capabilities because everything has to be programmed and wired for completely autonomous operations. That's the goal. So I think I think I see where the disconnect is coming from from the world where we can automate and, and provision things versus, let's face it, the, this side of the table is the networking world where we don't do things like that. And I think, and I, I remember hearing this in virtualization 10 years ago. Yeah. There's no way that you can automate the deployment of a server. There's too many things that need to be That's done right. to it. And now look where we are with, with the world of cloud and Amazon web services where I don't even worry about what OS is running on my server anymore. I select the box that says database. Yeah. And what do I get? Well, in certain cases, I can get a complete LAMP stack yeah. pushed down onto a box where I'm running an application. I don't even care what it's doing. And that's, you know, I think where NFV wants to be. And that's where a lot of the initiatives that we're seeing that were announced, we're at Cisco Live this week, around this intuitive networking idea. When you look at what they were trying to build with ACI, and, and they still are to a bit, but where that's evolving, it's no longer, I need to provision a firewall here. I need to provision a load balancer here. It's, I want this to happen do the things that make that happen, and I don't want to worry about it. If I have to cut a ticket to request a firewall rule to be provisioned three months from now, I'm in, I'm in deep trouble. And of course, the networking team is going to push back on you and say, okay, that's great that this application needs a firewall open. Can you tell me which ports it is? Because I don't know anything about your app. Whereas if we can, if we can connect all those things through APIs, and the app can say, I need these seven ports open, and it communicates via API to the, the controller, if you will, and the controller says, okay, I've tunneled these ports open for your IP. Please let me know when you don't need them open anymore, and I'll tear the entire thing down. Yep. And, and I've already established policy rules and, a, and a, a framework that that has to fit through before those things happen. And it's all auditable. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all auditable, so in yep. the event that WannaCry, come, WannaCry 3 comes out, and suddenly we're trying to figure out, well, is our organization vulnerable to this because we left a back door open for a yep. server that nobody uses anymore, we can pull the logs of the communication with all the applications. We go, nope, we shut down all the SMB one ports years ago, and we're good. Well, and more importantly, if you need to make an emergency change across your company to filter something out, it's much easier to do. That's true. Because you're now not configuring 100 boxes, yeah. right? which is a, a situation I think many people will recognize. I kind of like to look at NFE in some ways as um, like VMware NSX on steroids. It's like the next step after that. Because I think that got some people into the mindset of, of understanding that it's possible to distribute a firewall. It's okay. Because they didn't have to configure lots and lots of firewalls, you configured policies and let NSX figure out where those need to be implemented within every hypervisor, right? 
and, and I like this, this same idea of being able to push that policy out. Um, yes. It is intent again. I want this to be able to talk to that. I don't want to worry about which firewalls that's relevant to. I mean, I'd prefer not to put it on the firewalls where those subnets don't even exist, right? Mm -hmm. But it'd be great to be able to shift them out. And then if a device moves, for that policy to move with it automatically. And this is all stuff we can start doing. And that's where, as I say, that's that blur of SDN and NFE again. You've got to be able to control the heck out of this stuff. And you've got to have huge trust in whatever system you do, which means chances are you're buying somebody's system. You're not coding this stuff yourself, right? No, I think this was a good discussion, guys. This, there's, there's a lot to NFV. There's a lot more than just you know, taking a, a thing and making it software. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of organizational shifts that are going to happen. It, honestly, there's going to be a lot of soul searching from the, from the box herders. But we've already lived through that in the virtualization world. And I think now it's time for networking to, to get their stuff sorted out. And I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes in the next you know, seven or eight months. And I would say one, one part of the interesting uh, layer of the technology stack is look at uh, OpenStack's Project Hacker. You know, if you look at a lot of the deployments, basically all the deployments I know of are all done on OpenStack, using Tacker as its way to deploy the, the VNFs as, as, as VMs. Um, and we, I still haven't seen, and there's a growth in, in the containers, but still haven't seen a kind of an emergence outside of the, the, the base, you know, OpenStack premise that everyone's using. And if you see Ericsson, Nokia, Huawei, um, you know, Red Hat, Cisco, they're all looking at that model. They're all, they're all coming up with the reference architectures now to talk about how they launch the, the VNFs out of their VIMs and, uh, you know, deploy these things at scale. Yeah. And, you know, I always still love to come back to the campfire stories that Michael had from uh, TELUS and actually hear the real-life, uh, you know, projects that drove these things. And right. You know, I think we're going to find some applicability from what gets produced to support NFE is going to be leveraged for a number of other um, media delivery, for instance. As you look at the architecture that supports that, it looks very similar to the Etsy architecture that's used for NFE. You know, this uh, same kind of framework, the same kind of architecture. We're going to find that uh, creeping its way into many different delivery platforms. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. I think that this is a topic that's going to get a lot more discussion going forward. You know, hopefully we'll be able to come back to this in six or seven months and, and kind of see where we are. And hopefully, you know, we've moved down the road quite a bit. Um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast or watching it right now, um, you, know, you can always find the latest episode at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also find us in iTunes and any one of your favorite podcast apps. Do us a favor, like, share, subscribe, leave a comment. How can we make this better? How can we address your concerns and talk about the things that you want to hear? Um, we want to be the premise behind all of the things that you are talking about. So for me and Tom Hollingsworth, for my guests, and a special thank you to my friends at NetApp, um, we're going to go ahead and call it a day here. But um, be sure to stay tuned for even more great things coming from the on-premise IT roundtable.